That Nintendo train just just keeps on just keeps on rolling. Um, I'm very excited about Nintendo right now, and I think we all are, which is why the show has maybe since the beginning of March kind of devolved into the Nintendo Hour. But kind of here we are again, and there's more. Uh, starting with the Zelda expansion pass. So this is we've known about this for a while that there that there is going to be some DLC for Zelda, mm. right? Like, it is right. something that you can buy now if you want to. Um, many yeah. people have. I did. Like, you get some additional loot that pops into the game, but I just bought it now because I want it for later. But um, Nintendo have detailed what's going to be coming in part one of the two-part DLC pack. Um, and I guess I'll kind of run through it. We could talk about it. So, Trial of the Sword is one part, which is a. It kind of sounds like a wave-based defense game using the Master Sword once you collect it. Like a survival mode of sorts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's got a pretty cool perk that if you beat this mode, the the Master Sword is permanently powered up in the game. Yeah, which makes is sense. Great. So it doesn't break, doesn't doesn't go away. Like that is a that's a that that continues to be a consistent weapon that you can use. Yeah, you can always walk around with a with a thirty level sword, so, exactly. which is not the best in the game. You know, it's like half. I think the power yeah. of the most powerful ones, but it's good enough. You know, at least it's not a three branch. A, a constantly in use thirty power sword will get you through the game. Right, like that's gonna do unless you're you're going against anything that is super large. Uh, yeah. I think you're gonna, you know, what I mean, I think it's fine. Yeah. Right, I think you're yeah. good. Hey guys, yeah. before you go on, I gotta ask you, how many hours have you put into the game so Oof. far? Oof. <sighs> About a hundred, because I haven't yeah. been playing much in the in the past two weeks because of uh, of the launches that we did on Max Stories. But uh, I would say a hundred, a hundred and five, maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm closing in on a hundred. Yeah, which is a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah, some international flights have helped me. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I'm. I think it's definitely in my top three of the games I've played the most in my life. Mm-hmm. It's probably up there with some Final Fantasy Tactics and Pokemon games. Let's say top five because there's a lot of Pokemon games in my life. Yep. So yeah, top five definitely. Time played is one metric. What I'd really like to know, especially from you, Federico, because you just mentioned Final Fantasy, is how many of those hours when you played Final Fantasy did you enjoy compared to the time spent in Zelda? I think it's a different type of enjoyment. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the the time spent in tactics was uh, navigating menus and trying different, like uh, the 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 items and the equipment, managing the inventory and the team. Whereas in Zelda, it's more about wandering around and exploring and dying and trying again. Um, so it's different times of uh, different kinds of time allocation. Um, I think Zelda, even if it's a hard game, the time that I spent in in Hyrule is more relaxing than the time I spent obsess- obsessing over stats and equipment in Final Fantasy Tactics. So, I mean, it's difficult to compare. I think it, Zelda made me more relaxed for sure. Uh, but it's not like I didn't enjoy tactics because even if it's more brain intensive, uh, it's, it's still time that I enjoyed. Mm. So there's a new mode being added called the Heroes Path, which is a new map feature, which I am very eager to see. Which it shows you the lo- over the last two hundred hours of gameplay where you've been. Uh, it shows you where you spent the most time. 
and what areas of the map you haven't yet explored. Hmm. Which is exactly hmm. what I want because the way that I'm playing right now is when I open up the map and I look at the map and I'm like, I don't think I've been there. Yeah. And then I go there. <laughs> yeah. um, I would really like to be able to open the map and just be like, oh, that's exactly where I haven't been, right? Like, it will show me so I can just go and see that part of the world. Like, a lot of the time, I don't, I'm don't. i not really going there to, like, oh, could there be something there? I just want to go and see it. I want, I, make, yeah. I want to make sure that with my eyes, I have seen this game, right? Like, I want to see it all. This is probably a stupid question, but do you feel like you need to go visit a place again because otherwise you're going to forget what it looks like? Because I definitely did that. Like, to make sure that I, in my visual memory... You gotta lock it in. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of the places that I've been to, I sort of rush through them, especially in the second half of the game when I was doing the Divine Beasts and the final boss. So some places, I looked them up, you know, especially the names. Yeah. um, Because I I want to lock it in my mind, the location, what it looks like, what the name is. I don't know. Yeah, you've just made me realize that there are kind of two areas of the game that are related to Divine Beasts that I've basically just been through all the forests and stuff there once, which was when I was going to those areas. And like I realized, well, I haven't been back there like because I was I was preoccupied. I was rushing through. So I'm sure that there's more to see. I mean, and this is going to be helpful for finding shrines, for, for finding Korok seeds and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just love that they're defaulting to the last 200 hours as a metric because they, they know perfectly that some people are going to spend like three three to 400 hours yeah. playing this game. It's, it's just crazy. This feels like to me, it's like they had to set the limit somewhere because they can't <laughs> they can't save everything and they know that people will play it for more than that, especially by by the summer, which is when this DLC pack is, is going to be available. I'm really excited about like, you know, I'm not done with Zelda yet. I will be done soon. I, I I just need to. I think the next time that I start playing, I'm going to start building up my arsenal to go to go to the to the castle. Right. I think that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to make that decision because I'm eventually going to stop playing the game. Right. Because I will have done finally, what I need. Two um, months later, uh, yeah, it's finally approaching the castle. <laughs> I just I've just been enjoying running around. Um, but then I'm I'm looking forward to when the summer comes and there's there's more of the game for me to to play again including a hard mode so when you engage the new hard mode um, enemies that you're fighting will slowly regain health whilst you're battling them um, all enemies will be powered up by a level so that there probably won't be any of the the red guys it will be like blue and oh, the, no. the silver guys oh, no. um, the enemies will all have there there is a higher maximum level for all enemies and kind of weirdly but interestingly that there are now you will encounter enemies in the sky on platforms with balloons attached to them oh so when you're flying around this is terrible no yeah no it sounds hard it sounds very hard it's it sounds tough yeah uh the travel medallion is something that you'll be able to find in a chest somewhere and it enables you to set one place on the map as a fast travel point there's more armor that is has themes from previous games scattered around, um, including a Korok mask, which is be yeah. hidden somewhere on the on the map, and it shakes. So you wear the mask, and whenever you're running around Hyrule, the mask will shake when you're near one of the 900 Koroks uh, in the game, which I always forget that number, and it's mind-boggling to me. Now, Federico, as being someone who, who has been much more involved in the Zelda history, uh, do, are you interested in some of the... the mm-hmm. 
old themed armors that you can find? <laughs> I am indeed, especially two of them. The Phantom armor, I think, I believe it's from Wind Waker, from the the Phantom Knights that she used to uh, to fight in Wind Waker in the Hyrule Castle. But especially the Tingle <laughs> costume. <Sure. laughs> I think it's definitely something else. Uh, I look forward to dressing up my Link as Tingle and going around Hyrule, especially when, when it's night uh, and you see this Tingle character just walking around, super creepy. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that I'm really looking forward to, yes. And then later on in the year, kind of in the holiday season, is when they're adding Pack 2, which includes a new dungeon, story, and some more content, which I'm excited about, right? That's more of the game as opposed to, like, adding on to what's currently there. Yeah, and and I think it's a, it's a clever strategy because instead of giving people new content now, because they know perfectly that even if there's more games on the Switch now, there's Mario Kart, there's Tumble Seed... Uh, people are still playing Zelda because they're, you know, it's difficult to be finished with this game in less than two months unless you don't have a job, you don't have school, you just live to play Zelda, which is perfectly reasonable, I think, for some people, but for most of us, it's not. And so rather than giving us new content while we're still playing the first, you know, batch of content, they're giving us tools to make the exploration of the current game more enjoyable. So they're giving us the the hero path, a way to make the Master Sword more usable, um, costumes which are fun, and they sort of enhance the current game, the medallion to uh, set a fast travel point. I think it's a it's a it's a very considerate and very clever um, collection of improvements and tools to save time while playing Zelda and to make sure that you actually explore all of the game before you know the more content more new content comes out in the holiday season i think it's very very clever of nintendo i want to talk some numbers now guys if that's okay because nintendo had their uh their quarterly earnings and we spoke last time uh about some potential numbers and some numbers that have kind of been pulled together but now we have we have some real numbers about things so uh there were 2.74 million switches sold in march and Nintendo is now officially forecasting 13 million in the current financial year, so up until April of 2018. Shahid, what do you think of that number? Incredible. Yeah. What a comeback. What do you a think comeback. so? You think this is yeah. this is really good? Yeah, I think it's really really good. I mean these these numbers to those of our listeners who are much more used to hearing reports of 50 million plus units in a quarter for iPhone sales might not sound impressive, but in the world of consoles, especially off the back of their last console, this really is quite something, especially given how light the launch catalogue was. So there was much less incentive to purchase. Mm-hmm. It, they, they really are numbers that Nintendo should be very pleased with and that hopefully will be sustained over more than a year. I mean, I'm looking forward to what happens to this device when they can start to be a bit more direct with the marketing with a reduced price yeah, and start to target those customers who are interested in it as a mobile device. I mean, it's it's already I'm finding that when I play with my kids on the Switch, we don't even have the telly on. Even if we're playing multiplayer, we'll set the switch up on some hard surface and we'll take a control reach and we'll use it as a portable device. That is the most modern usage. 
And so I think if they can target that at some point with a price cut, they'll go gangbusters because they will get a true union. You know how it is with markets, right? You have uh, you you think that by going for market A and market B, you'll get a union of market A and market B. And nearly always what happens is instead you get the intersection of market A and market B. In other words, a tiny niche. But what Nintendo have done very cleverly is they've started the messaging on the home console side with yep. a higher price, with the home console price. And my guess is when they drop the price, they will start to shift the messaging towards mobile. Oh, they get the both, best of both worlds. That's real clever. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really clever. Yeah, they have been incredibly smart. And it is, at the moment, and this is heresy, I guess, I don't care, it's my favorite console. It's the yeah. one I always reach for. I haven't touched my PlayStation. I, I want to play uh, Horizon. Like, I've wanted yeah. to play that game. But right now, like right now, I'm deep in Mario Kart, right? Like, and and the thing is, like, there's like a, Nintendo said this, and and they said it kind of once and kind of offhandedly, but they were like, there's going to be one game every single week, and that has happened. Like, I'm looking at the coming soon, and I'm like, do you know what? I want to play the NBA Playgrounds game because that looks oh, like yeah. fun. I'm gonna get that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like fun, so I'm gonna get that. And then uh, Thumper is coming out, and I'm interested to see how because I mean. I have played Thumper on PSVR, and I know it's not going to be as good, but I still want to see what it's like. Right? Apparently, it's being that they're, they're like locking it to sixty frames a second. Right? Like mm. they're they're really going for it with this game. So I want to play that. And then Minecraft is coming out, and, and I'm very intrigued to play Minecraft on this system. This feels like the perfect system for Minecraft for me, with like the way that I have played that game in the past. So just getting like completely abs- like absorbed by it whenever i dip my toe into minecraft i lose months and and i i'm keen to see how it plays on on the switch so there's there's like all these games are coming out and i'm like i want to play them all which is brilliant and this explains some of the sales numbers so close to 90 percent of switch owners have purchased breath of the wild um so then we were talking about this last week about how they it had been thought that it was a over 100 percent attach rate and we were wondering like well, could this actually end up being that there are Wii U people in here? And it turns out that, yeah, some of those numbers were Wii U numbers. But 90% of Switch owners have purchased Breath of the Wild. And from what I can understand, Shahid, that is an unprecedented attack rate. It's utterly sensational. Nintendo pulled off one of the most daring gambles in console launch history. What they said was, we don't care if you're a Mario fan. We don't care if you're a fan of this or that. What we care about is that this is the greatest game we have ever made and you are going to love it. And it is the only yeah. one you're going to spend the majority of your time on. No other game that we launch with will be the one on which you spend the majority of your time. Yep, and they put all the predominant marketing into Zelda. I haven't seen pro- like marketing in any fashion for any of the other games. You know, like I haven't seen that. Like There are billboards for Breath of the Wild, right? Like They, they, they went all in. And yeah, it was a really big gamble but it really paid off but that isn't it though one two switch that's on track to sell a million units snipper clips sold three hundred and fifty thousand, and super bomberman r has shipped five hundred thousand so far which is fantastic right like for these games sure the launch numbers they're really good i'd be very intrigued to find out what the breakdown is on physical versus digital here mm, yeah yeah that would be very interesting right like are people just perusing the eShop and they're like well this is all that's here i'll, I'll, I'll grab this that there is a possibility of that right but but that's mm, good though mm. i mean what it shows i think is that 
especially like you know like there, there's been news we're going to talk about Mario Kart a little bit later but like that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has had the greatest the fastest selling launch of the entire uh run of the 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 franchise yeah right yeah like what what are the numbers like 495,000 units sold on launch day it's the fastest selling title in Mario Kart history oh, i think that what these numbers are showing is that Switch owners are incredibly hungry for for the games on the platform. Not and I don't think it's necessarily because there aren't a lot of them, but it's that they just want to play everything on it. And and there's mm-hmm. like and I feel like there's also this 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 feeling of wanting to, to to like really support the platform like there is you know we spoke about this right like you launch a console in march you're gonna have so many just absolute mega fans that are buying and playing right because march is such a weird time to launch a console mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. some of that is is kind of showing out in this right that, that the people that have these consoles right now are buying all the games because they absolutely love it it's a timing too, though, right? So they come out with a sensational game at launch. They 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 let it breathe. They let people extract maximum juice yeah. from it, and then they go, you know what? We got we got this coming next, <laughs> and it launches just as people like you and Federico are saying, "Hmm, I'm really looking forward to the updates." And just as you start to think that, there's Mario Kart. It's just perfect. And the thing is, again, that takes great guts to space those out because the traditional approach would be, oh, man, we've got a weak, we've got a weak lineup in terms of numbers. We've got to support those numbers with more content. That is what a lot of other manufacturers would do. They haven't done that. They've been really bold. We're going to give this time to breathe. Then we're going to go bang. Then we're going to come out with something else. At some point, we'll see Mario Odyssey as well. It's a really bold approach. So... Uh, they they touched on E3 a little bit during the the earnings call, um, and that you know they they're not doing a big stage show, right? Yeah. They've confirmed this is going to be a direct, which I think, whilst I would like to see uh, a big stage show from them, um, <sighs> I think that the directs the directs really do a good job, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do miss the the old. Uh, big events, you know, with Miyamoto walking on stage, the SS Link. Uh, I do miss the Nintendo events. Uh, yeah, so we got one, right? So, like, I have to, I do have to say, the, the 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 event that we have for the Switch, the best part of that event was the part of it that was structured like a direct. All of the presentations of people coming out on stage to talk about their games, at least for me, they didn't hit, they didn't work. Yeah, like, but th- that wasn't structured like an old E3 event with true, the American true. with the American grandiosity mm-hmm. of a press event, you know. Uh, That's true. But but yeah, I guess the direct is a better form for Nintendo these days. So during the earnings call, uh, Nintendo CEO Tatsumi Kimishima repeatedly said that there are more unannounced titles coming that they believe will continue to boost Switch sales. So I guess we're going to maybe see some of these at E3. Federico, what do you think that E3 is going to going to hold for Nintendo? Well, we do we we have to see new games at E3 and Nintendo can play a couple of cards here of games that they've already announced but they haven't shown much about. And those two games could be Splatoon 
2, which is coming in the summer, mm-hmm. and uh, Mario Odyssey, which is coming sometime in the holiday season. Yeah, I feel we see more of Splatoon than Mario for sure. Like, Mario is the yes. one that we kind of, we got that one trailer, and that's it. Yeah. So, we're definitely going to see a lot more of Mario, and yeah. uh, presumably uh, hands-on demo at E3, that's for sure. Uh, but we, I, I feel like we need to see more of the actual new stuff. So I would, I would say uh, we're gonna see the DLC too for Zelda. So a teaser of the new content and the new story coming. Um, and then I have some some bets. Uh, of course, I'm gonna say Metroid, uh, just because uh, it seems to be. You can a, keep uh, trying to wish it into existence, my friend. It's not like a, like I'm wishing into existence. It's just uh, if you follow the Nintendo rumor people on Twitter. Everyone seems to agree on the fact that Retro Studios have been working on a game for three to four years. Nobody knows what this game is. And it seems to me like, I mean, do you really want to work on a Donkey Kong game for three to four years in super secret mode? Must be Metroid. I mean, I I want it to be Metroid, but some signs are also pointing it to be Metroid. So that could be... I would bite your hand off for a Metroid. I was playing the Switch earlier on today and... Uh, it was Shovel Knight again for some reason. But anyway, as I was playing it, I thought, you know what would really be perfect on this? Turrican 2. And then I thought, hold on a minute. I mean Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, when is Metroid coming? So, yeah, I I would be very surprised to think of working on something mm-hmm. uh, secretly for that long. And it wasn't high profile. You know, one of the big five revered Nintendo IPs. And I yeah. think Metroid falls into the big five. Yeah. and 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 I also feel like what makes a lot of sense, like really a lot of sense on the Switch, would be Animal Crossing. Especially oh, if you consider... I mean, pff, come on, that would, be, that would be insane. That would, be, right? that would destroy people's social lives. It'd be over. Game over. <laughs> if you consider that Nintendo is doing Animal Crossing on iOS and Android also, it could be a nice tie-in, you know? Yeah, we're doing the mobile version, but we're also doing the, the Switch version. So... You know, you can have Animal Crossing everywhere. So that would be that would be intense. I mean, uh, I haven't played Animal Crossing uh, in in a few years because I know perfectly that once I get Animal Cro- into Animal Crossing, it's hard to pull me out uh, because I used to I used to be obsessed. Like literally, I used to have a calendar of in-game events uh, mm-hmm. printed on a, on on a piece of paper when I was in high school and I was playing Animal Crossing on the DS. Like, it was a real problem at the how time. How bad and, is and it going to be, though, when you can just play it how, anywhere? Exactly. Oh. exactly. <laughs> how bad is it going to be now that you can play it on the TV, you can play in bed, you can play, you know, whenever you are in the car. At work. At work, which yeah. is my house. Um, but, yeah. Um, and then I have a wild card because we're also... You know, talking about uh, third-party games, what if, and this is a huge what if, uh, there's a, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2. That's a big what if, man. I know, but, I mean, can you imagine, like, not just the reaction, but the goodwill that Nintendo would gain among users if they could convince Rockstar to bring Red Dead to the Switch? They need a big third-party title. Exactly. I think there'll be something. They have been light on those. Yeah, I, I I think there will be something. I don't think it'll be Red Dead, but I think there will be something. I I I see where you're going with this. I share uh your the th- the feeling that you have that made you come to that conclusion, right? That they will have tried so hard 
to get mm-hmm. a big cross platform on launch, right? Yeah. Like they are I will be really surprised if they haven't done it. And if if it, there isn't anything, I really don't believe that it will be through not through lack of trying on Nintendo's part, right? Like they were talking on the earnings call about like wanting to continue to drive the sales so they can entice third parties. They are very very aware of trying to get the AAA on this platform for as for as much as the switch can handle it right like whatever it is that they have to do um i i i would i don't know if it's going to be red dead i would love it to be red dead um but i think we're gonna i do believe we'll see something right that there will be a shocker in that way mm-hmm. pokemon oh man yes it's gotta I be a totally pokemon forgot. yeah and what was the name supposed to be Pokemon Stars? Star. Uh, yeah. yeah, Stars, yeah. So I, I think that's what we're going to see. Jay, are oh, you yeah. looking for anything else specific from Nintendo coming into E3? Not from Nintendo. Um, give give me give me Metroid, definitely. And you won't see me for a long time. You know, forget about VR. I'll, I'll just be on the Switch mm-hmm. constantly, I think, for a very, very long time. It'll be very hard for me to resist. At the moment, I've been very careful about not bringing the Switch into the shed. Otherwise, I'd be in real trouble. Yeah, um, but once that happens, once once they do a Metroid, that that thing is definitely going to be coming with me. Now, I'd like to see a really good uh, soccer game. I I don't care who does it. FIFA have said, yeah, in the past that like they are right. bringing FIFA, right? Yeah, yeah. But what what kind of FIFA? Because you know, EA have also done FIFA on mobile devices as well. So I just really want to see. I don't care who does it as long as it's a really really good soccer game. And I'm saying soccer because we got. American listeners. You're very kind. Opportunities like and all of that. Otherwise, I can't stand saying soccer. Even though yeah, technically uh, it's more British. I, I, I think that I'm going to do it. I think a good football game would be a big winner like big sports games, right? Like It's a social uh, device. You guys are looking forward to basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a social device. You know, this is remember when we first talked about the first thing that appealed to me was, oh man, this is the first console since. I, I, I don't think there's been another one. Maybe that's, I don't know where it comes with two controllers out the box Mm -hmm. and it's on the go you know it's a social device and it's more social than any other device and i found myself using this socially ad hoc like i'd never done with anything else before so what is the perfect (laughs) two-player two-player game on console these days in terms of uh, financial success and it's got to be fifa so i hope that EA do an incredible version of FIFA for Switch, but it's going to take time because here's the problem. You've got to make sure it works really well in mobile mode and you can't have it looking bad in TV mode. So that's going to require significant optimization and uh, real-time scaling. Yeah. Because, of course, you can switch, right? You you can be playing it mobile and then the game has got to go up-res to TV and so on and uh, scale up in terms of the power it can handle so I, I that would be why the third parties are taking longer nintendo's first parties have been working with the hardware for a long time so they haven't had to make money out of it it's strategic for them to develop their games in a manner that suits a dual use system whereas the third parties it, it makes no sense financially so it's just going to take some time and my guess is that right now third parties are looking at those numbers that you talked about earlier Mike and going hmm this is looking pretty good better jump in now I hope so 
All right, this week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code insert coin at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create that website for your next idea. Whether you want to create a store because they have a store functionality or a blog because they have blog functionality or portfolios because they have album functionality and functionality for days is what Squarespace has. They are the all-in-one platform that lets you do whatever it is you're looking to put online. You can very easily grab a domain name. They have award-winning templates that are all beautifully designed to let you show off your great ideas. And with some simple tweaking, you can get that website to look exactly how you want. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to worry about installing things, patching anything, or upgrading anything. Squarespace take care of all of that. You just get to do the fun stuff, like deciding how your website's going to look. And all of that is really easy with drag and drop and just drop down interfaces. It's awesome. They have a 24-7 customer support team if you need any help. And Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. You just need to go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code insertcoin, that's all one word, to get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for Remaster. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting this show and Relay FM. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Nintendo have a new console, everyone. <laughs> Can you imagine my reaction? It's 4 a.m. at night and I'm browsing Twitter. And, I, and everyone's gone to bed, right? Mike is not texting on iMessage, so I assume nope, he's sleeping. I'm done. And, and Twitter is very quiet. Then suddenly, <laughs> Nintendo has a new DS. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> how, how do you do PR sometimes, Nintendo? It, it goes beyond me. But I yes, don't think it, that this is a product worth PR. I think that's what this is. So basically, it is a clamshell version of the 2DS. It's like a hybrid of the 3DS and the 2DS. It's got Mm -hmm. XL screens, no 3D, has a C-stick, support for Amiibo, and a faster processor. So it is marrying the best of the 3DS and the 2DS. It's um, a two and a half DS. Yeah, they've, I think Nintendo have have basically agreed with the rest of the world that the 3D thing did not work. <laughs> yeah, because they're basically redoing the 3DS, like the actual form factor, mm-hmm. but without the 3D. So It's yeah. uh, only $150. It's coming July 28th, and it includes a power adapter in the box this time, which is great. Um, I think that this is the clearest symbol that Nintendo is wrapping up the DS line. They have created a product that will support the games that they have coming for the platform or support the current games that are available for the platform. I expect this thing to last a year, maybe two years tops, and it's gone. Yeah, I, and I assume it's going to be the last DS. They're just going to yeah. keep it on the on the shelves. Uh, and this is going to be, this is it, right? This is the end of the line for the DS. They have some games coming out. Uh and of course, you know the Pokemon games. Uh, the Pokemon games have a long tail, so you know people can keep playing those for mm-hmm. for years. Um, I mean, this looks pretty sweet. You know, uh, I'm I'm actually pretty satisfied with my three with my new 3ds. Uh, so I'm not gonna get one of these, also because I'm not playing with my 3ds much. Um, no, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, the price point is terrific, and I almost wish that Nintendo did this. You know, a couple of years ago. Uh, while they were deep into the the negative, uh, you know, the negativity against the Wii U and all the troubles with the before iPhone games, uh, this is the DS they should have had two years ago. Uh, you know, uh, they have it now, and it's. I mean, it makes for a fantastic holiday gift. But then again, would you rather spend 150 on a DS, even with the bundle, 
or 250 on a discounted switch with the game inside i don't know there's a big difference between that uh 150 and 250 price point 150 is almost impulse purchase for parents for their kids mm. whereas 250 you know sometimes more than that it's it it isn't especially when you start to factor in um other stuff that people want to get mm -hmm. and also because of the perception that switch is well the the perception fueled by nintendo that switch is a home console it's seen as a bigger home purchase you know this is going to compete in the living room it's not something that you can keep the kids quiet with nintendo is the creator of the greatest handheld gaming devices in the history of the world um uh, unless you can correct me there i i just don't think that there's anybody who's been able to touch them and right now they don't really have a credible low price handheld and so the introduction of the 2DS XL, I think, is perfectly timed because it means that those people who can't quite or can't, can't yet afford a Switch are going to have this device, are going to have current content, you know, the last of the content that's produced for the DS. And then before very long, there's going to be a Switch price cut and there's going to be money to get that, just as it starts to message towards portable. I will say that whoever it was that, that came up with the branding for the Switch was not in charge of the branding of this. New 2DS XL. It doesn't make any sense. There wasn't a 2DS XL before, so it's not a new version of it. There isn't a different size of it, so it's not XL. It's the only size that they do. It's, it's like... like, oh, it's like the alphabet. Where, how can we pick more letters? It's like, we have these three products. Let's put all of the names together and just see what happens. They should have called it the DSX. Yeah. Or, Maybe or the just, final DS. Just 2DS. <laughs> like, don't sell the... I mean, I don't think they're even selling the old one. Terrible. It's, yeah. <laughs> just so bad. But I have spent the last week completely indulged in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, mm. it, is, it has been my game that I have been playing this week, including on a bunch of flights. Um, but I want to talk about this game. We've all been playing it, right? I know, Shahid, yours only arrived today, right? But I know that you've been playing the game. We've all been playing it. And I think we'd all played Mario Kart 8, right? Yes, definitely. I had not. Okay. A lot of hours. Yeah, I, I played. I had played it. I you know completed it for as much as you can complete it, right? Like I did all the one hundred fifty cc. I didn't think I did the two hundred. Um, how how do you feel then, Federico? Considering you've played it before, about this game being a port. I feel like I I remember this game pretty well. Um, um, a lot of the tracks that uh, every time I do them, I remember. After the first lap, I remember all of the shortcuts and all mm -hmm. of the little tricks to, to get around them. Um, so it does feel like an old game. And that explains why I still haven't done the single player. I've only played with friends so far. And we played a lot. I would say about 10 hours. We played for three afternoons, you know, and it was super fun. But I think I'm more inclined to consume this game as a multiplayer one um, because I, I remember the single-player experience so well. And eventually I'm going to do the single-player just to complete the game and just to, you know, because it I'm going to need something to take a break from work. Um, but I do remember it very well. 
that doesn't affect the my opinion, which is it's a glorious game. The graphics are amazing on the Switch display, and the colors, the shading, it's just a, it's just so pretty. It's like Zelda. It's a pretty game to look at, even if even if you want to lose and arrive last, it's just a pretty game. So yeah. So what about you then, Shahid, considering you're new to this game completely? How do you feel about it? Do you like it? Last time I played Mario Kart was on the the DS about a decade ago. This has come a long way since then. Yeah. Yeah, it has. I'm not sure that it's in the way that I like, mm-hmm. but I think it's the right direction for the game in general. It feels really slick. Mm-hmm. I was able to power slide immediately uh, there, there was just no break in time i haven't played this game in a decade and there was no break in time i was power sliding with every single character continuously for ages and ages and ages it felt like mario kart it looked gorgeous it ran at a decent clip even with two uh players in multiplayer mode across all the different modes because we we tried those today and that that was the thing that just blew me away it's like here we are playing two-player mode on this tiny little device and everything's totally smooth. Everything looks great. I didn't see any kind of uh, reduction in detail. There might well have been, except I didn't see it. And that's all that matters. The amount of depth in there compared to what I played 10 years ago. Oh, my God. There is yeah, just the, so much to it. It's a bigger it. game. It's so much. It's you know, huge. Because the, 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 so the, it's like wrapped up in all of this. It's like my feelings about, about Mario Kart as a franchise um, is why I'm not cons- I'm not fussed about this being a port because really Mario Kart is Mario Kart and whatever it is it's it's basically the same right like you know what you're getting it, it is the game that it is and one of the it, wrapped up in that is the idea that over the years they've added more and more and more to the game to try and find something fresh to do with it right and the thing that came in Mario Kart Eight was the anti gravity thing which I mean. It it changes some of the way you play in that hitting people makes you go faster, but outside of that, it's not it's not a mind blowing change, right? So it's like, okay, this game is a port, but Mario Kart Nine, I don't think would have felt massively different, right? Like it would have just been a continuation, and all I would have got, which would have been different, is new courses. But the game itself is gonna feel very similar. So, like, I've been enjoying it for that simple fact in that, like, well, this is exactly what I would have expected no matter what the Mario Kart game was because it's the Mario Kart experience that I'm familiar with, right? Except smoother, more colorful, exactly. more flexible, right? And uh, so you, I've playable in just about those. any situation as well. Yeah. That's the other beauty of it. Exactly. So I have, I have benefits. There are new modes. There's a battle mode that wasn't in 8, right? So they've added some new multiplayer modes, which... Of course, like that would have been silly if they wouldn't have done that. This is the multi this is the most multiplayer version of Mario Kart there has ever been, right? Um so they've added some modes for that. Now, the majority of my time spent playing this game has been playing in multiplayer mode with Adina on a plane. We took two flights, they were three hours each, and we played Mario Kart for the entire time. And it's brilliant. It's so good. Wow. For playing this game with somebody else on a plane, it's like the perfect thing. You have more than enough screen size, right, to, to be able to see what's going on when it's right in front of you, like this, this, the, the, the console's sitting right in front of you. It's perfect. Now, 
I will say we were playing with two Joy-Con each. We tried the one Joy-Con way of playing this game, and it totally works. But I I wouldn't want to do it over a long period of time if I have another option, which I did because I have more Joy-Con. So we played it that way. It is perfectly acceptable, but it is uncomfortable in my opinion. I actually have found that in a way that, like, I have been able to play Zelda really easily with just the two Joy-Con in my hands, but I have found that with Mario Kart, I do prefer to play it with a grip. And I think it's because I'm constantly using the, the, the shoulder buttons, so I need a little bit more to hold in my hand for that to be comfortable. It's a game in which you, everything that you do um, is important over every single frame. Yeah. Whereas Zelda is not a frame-dependent game, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm going forever without, not, you know, I'm scaling walls and stuff. I'm not pressing all of the buttons, right? Like, I'm just using the face buttons. But when yeah. the shoulder buttons are used a lot more, I, I like to have something that is more sturdy in my hands, and, and that has been more comfortable for me to play. Let's say, like, us playing with two Joy-Con each is awesome. It's still so incredibly portable. It all fits within the case that I have. Um, but it is... At the same time, if we were playing with just one Joy-Con each with the grips, like the, the the rails attached to them as well, because those little buttons are basically impossible to get to without the rails, in my opinion. Like I find that to be, again, it's it's uncomfortable. It's all possible if that's all you have with you. But it's it's nicer when you have more of the package. But that that's the whole thing about this, right? It's like I'm playing it on my own and it's awesome. Somebody wants to play, I just hand them the other controller. It is not the best way to play but it is two-player that we can do anywhere, and there's no other way of doing that, right? And it's the greatest marketing tool ever. Exactly. If if that other person doesn't have a Switch, boy, are they going to get one after that. Yeah. So many of my friends have bought it because of this. And uh, I'm I'm excited to try and play some online multiplayer stuff, which I haven't done before, and I want to do a lot of that. Good luck with online Mario Kart. Oh, with friends, (laughs) not not in the world. I can't do that. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that. It is terrible. I used to be really into that. Back in my DS and Mario Kart 7 days on the early 3DS catalog, um, and it's tough. Like, there's people (laughs) that are going to destroy you. Uh, But also, um, I feel like a lot of my... Like, I have some Mario Kart habits, I want to say. Like, I do a lot of drifting. Back mm-hmm. in the DS days, it used to be called snaking, when you could do a drift even with without actually being on a curve. So you could just keep drifti- drifting all the way, uh, <laughs> even if the you know you were going straight, but just drifting like a snake. Uh, that was the name, snaking. And eventually that got, that got fixed on the 3DS game. But that habit stuck. So I'm, I, I always play Mario Kart... And I do the drifting. And all of this goes back to the Joy-Con, which is I try to do uh, a lot of drifting. So background, we were four people and I didn't have enough controllers. So I I recently discovered that I have a GameStop nearby, like five minutes away. And uh, I had to buy an emergency controller. So I went to the GameStop and I, and I asked for a pair of Joy-Cons. They didn't have the Joy-Cons. So I basically just bought a another pro controller so now i have two pro controllers so we played with <laughs> with two pro controllers and one joy con each thankfully i do have the 
two plastic shells that I bought from Amazon.com. You can put a single a single Joy-Con into the shell, and it kind of makes it it's shaped like a controller. So yeah, it kind of makes it like more that. comfortable, mm-hmm. but it also makes the L and R buttons harder to press because the plastic shell on top of those buttons is kind of terrible. Basically, I tried to do the drifting as I always do, and I managed to do some drifting. Uh, but after a couple of hours, I had some terrible wrist pain. Yeah. And and so kids don't do a lot of drifting in Mario Kart and with a single Joy-Con, especially if you have big hands, you're going to regret it. Uh, take my advice. I couldn't type for two days. So, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic multiplayer session. Just don't do drifting with the Joy-Cons. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, this is it, right? It's like, it works. It totally works, but... It's not ideal, but the thing is, is because you can do it is what makes this. This is such a perfect show of the 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 multiplayerness of the console, and I am enjoying it a lot on my own. But I am enjoying it way more playing with people, and uh, it is a great demo of what the Switch is is capable of. This impromptu multiplayer or this multiplayer that you can plan out and get more controllers with. Like, you can have all of it, and it's it really is fantastic in a way that has just never been possible before. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been quite focused on news. So next week, we have a more in-depth episode that we want to do, um, and we're going to take a look at fan-made games, including mods and stuff like that. So there is a, I'm going to put an article in the show notes. for the, the reason this came up is Federico kind of fell into this rabbit hole after reading a Kotaku article um, <laughs> about, about Pokemon fan games. So we're going to talk about these in general. So we want to know from you, the listeners, if there's any that we should pay attention to. So I think some stuff that we're looking for, are like Daisy and Counter Strike and Gary's mod, like there's some some of the games that we're going to be looking at. But if there's any that you maybe think that we should be focusing on, uh, you should let us know on, on Twitter, and you can you can find us all online. We're, all of our links are on here in the show notes, as well as the the, the Remaster FM as well as is on Twitter. You can let us know there, um, and you can go there. You can go to relay.fm/remaster/slash thirty four. Um, and you'll find all of the information that you need. So let us know. And then next time, we're going to be talking about these mods and fan games. So Fan games. Fan mm-hmm. games. Some crazy people out there making making games as fans. Some of these people turn into huge studios as well. You know, they oh, start yeah. off small. Yeah. They, they make a mod of something that they love. Suddenly, the mod is bigger than the original game. It's just an amazing scene. But as you say, these tribute games as well, you know, that, that are completely based on the original game. The amount of love and passion it must take, knowing that when you do that, you might not get a chance to show lots of other people. So next time, until then, goodbye. <laughs>